Hey, good morning, church family. It is so good to be with you this morning. Uh, I'm excited, especially because we are kicking off a new series. I've so enjoyed the last few weeks uh, as we've gone, this, gone on this journey through in light of these things, hearing just incredible stories and testimonies and reflections from the scripture. And uh, so what we want to do today is really continue this overarching theme of our year uh, based out of 2 Peter 3, which asked the question, in light of all these things, what kind of people are we to be? Who are we becoming in light of all that's happening around us, in light of the promise that Jesus has given us of his return? Who are we? And uh, this new series that we're exploring um, around joy is a continuation of that. And it's kind of underpinned by this question of who are we when this period of time that we're in right now, the way that life looks right now, who we are we, who are we going to be on the other side of it, you know, and it's very easy to spend time in crisis, responding to crisis quite rightfully. And um, that's something that we have to do. It's a stage that we have to go through. But it's so important to ask the question, well, who, we are, we are, who are we on the other side of this? What are we building? What are we creating in this time? Who are we becoming? And I have the belief that joy is a critical answer uh, in response to that question, joy a people of joy, a people who know the true spiritual, biblical meaning of joy, a people who have embraced joy, a people who choose joy. And that's really where I want to kick off today. That's where I want to start. It says in Romans uh, chapter 15, verse 13, it says this, may the God of hope, this is Paul praying, may the God of hope fill you with joy. May the God of hope, that's who our God is. He is a God of hope. May the God of, jo of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with joy so that you can overflow with hope. May the God of hope put joy in you so that you can be like him. Could it be that without joy, we can't reflect the God of hope that we have and that we follow? Without joy, we don't give a full representation of what God is like. Without joy, we don't fully express the beauty and the wonder of this kingdom that is here and is coming. Paul says in Romans uh, 14, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. A third of God's kingdom is joy. Jesus says in Matthew 18, if you don't become like a child, you can't inherit the kingdom. Could it be that unless we go back to the most foundational formative elements of who we were always born to be, reminding ourselves of what was always true in the first place, we can't fully inherit and experience the kingdom of God that he so desperately wants us to have and move in. Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers of all time said this, a genuine, a genuine revival in God without joy a genuine revival in God without joy is as impossible as flowers without spring. Joy is the hallmark of a revival, just as the blossoming flowers around us are the hallmark and the expression of a new season, of a new day. And so I want to just look at two things this morning. The first one is this. All right. What is joy and why do we need to choose it? What is joy? Why do we need to choose it? Well, there's this incredible overarching meta-narrative throughout the whole scriptures about joy. Joy is 
all over the story of, of God and humanity. And there's a lot of different Greek and Hebrew words that express joy. You know, we've kind of summarized it into this one word, this three letter word joy, but there's tons of different, more deeply rich definitions of joy throughout the scripture. One word is a Greek word, uh, chara, which I'm gonna dig into a little bit more today. You find it all the way through the scriptures and um, it speaks of an inner delight, an inner gladness something that is deep within the soul of the person. I've talked about this before, but if you remember in Genesis, when God created humanity, God breathed into man, it says in Genesis, and man became a living soul. So the very definition of our humanity is our soulfulness, right? It's our gut, it's our emotion, it's the way that we experience and the way that we feel. It isn't a purely intellectual, logical response to everything that's happening around us. It's connecting with that innate gut level of who we are as humans, which is why I think it's so interesting that Jesus says, you gotta go back and become like a child to go forward. Because children have no kind of hesitation in, experience life, in experiencing life with their gut, with their emotions, with their feelings. And I know, even as a 30-year-old, I'm very much on a journey of getting around a very intellectualized, rationalized response to life to return to something that is more childlike, right? More in the moment more full of wonder, more full of embracing life as it's being revealed, rather than just trying to like process everything in a way that I can understand. And joy has that narrative throughout the scriptures. When joy is talked about, it seems to be this point of humanity remembering what has always been true. When joy happens, regardless of the situation or the circumstance, it's like a returning to the soulful expression of who we are. So the beginning of the, of the scriptures in Genesis, God says, it is good. I made everything from the grass on the ground to the human beings that we are, and it's good. It's very good. And that's a reason to rejoice. It's a reason to be glad. The Jewish culture, as we find through the scripture, is full of fun and feasts, eating, dancing, celebrating, singing, it's this response to life which is so exuberant and expressive and joyful all through the scriptures. In Exodus 15, and we'll explore this more another time, but in Exodus 15, when the, 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 the Israelites first leave Egypt, when, when the Egyptians uh, are drowned in the Red Sea, when they have this incredible exodus from slavery, Moses sings a song of joy and it's long. And he's just rejoicing and singing and praising God for what has happened. His first response to their freedom was this joyful, exuberant expression. All the way to the New Testament, we hear about when the disciples are returning from being out with Jesus, ministering, witnessing breakthrough, healing, uh, redemption. They're singing and dancing as they make, way, make their way into the city to the point that the religious leaders are actually offended. And they say to Jesus, tell your men to be quiet, rebuke them. Tell them to be silent, to which Jesus says, if I tell them to be silent, the very rocks beneath them will cry out. It is as if the very order of creation is set towards joy, set towards a disposition of gratitude and thankfulness. That one of the most uh, reasonable responses to being alive is to being, is being joyful. So, is joy based upon what we do and what we don't do? Is joy based upon what we experience? Is joy based upon our circumstance or our situation? Is joy happiness? Nah, it's different. 
And this is a really important thing to note in the beginning of this series as we explore joy. Joy isn't based upon what is happening. That's why we call it happiness, right? Happiness is an emotional response to what's happening right now. I feel happy because I'm eating my favorite meal. I feel happy because I'm watching a film that I love. I feel happy because the sun is shining. I feel happy because of something that is happening right now. Joy's different. Joy isn't rooted in what's happening in this moment. Joy actually defines what's happening in this moment because of a deeper, richer, more, more conviction-based response to life in general. Joy, this is how I would put it, joy is actually rooted in what's already happened. Joy is a response to life right now based upon something that has always been true before. Joy redefines this moment because it's assured in what has already gone before where we are right now. For the follower of Christ, joy is an important part of our life because it's a continual response to what Jesus has done and is doing, but what he's already done. For the follower of Christ to believe that Jesus defeated death in his death and resurrection, joy is the only way to respond. For the follower of Christ to recognize that Jesus, in whom all things are held together, Jesus, in whom we live and move and have our being, Jesus, who came to heal the bound, who came to set free the captive, who came to open the eyes of the blind. If all of that is true, joy is a response to what has happened before. That redefines what's happening now. When we look through the scriptures of the New Testament, what we realize is that joy is a response to who God has always been. And humanity is in this process of waking up to that reality, waking up to that fact. Happiness in many respects is fleeting. Happiness is, is as fleeting as any other uh, emotion based upon experience or based upon momentary happenings, right? Happiness comes and go, goes. Joy is a possession. Joy is something that we are possessed with. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 8. And if you want to dig, dig deeper into 2 Corinthians, join uh, round the table on a Tuesday night with Edmund because we're going through 2 Corinthians right now and it's gold. But he says this in 2 Corinthians 8. He says, uh, I want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches in Macedonia, because in severe tests of affliction, their abundance of joy was overwhelming and overflowing, right? In times of great affliction. And sometimes I read that and I just imagine Paul writing that instead of the churches of Macedonia, the churches of Bath, right? In times of great affliction, their joy, their joy was abounding and overflowing. They had an abundance of joy within them. They possessed joy. They owned joy. It was a part of who they were. It was a part of their lifestyle. It wasn't something that was based upon what was happening, but a certainty in what had already happened. What, what would it be like if we lived in a time where of great affliction like we are right now, but not, an ex, not expressing our lives in response to what's happening every day and all the changes that are happening constantly, but we were living in response to this unbelievable, life-changing reality that Jesus is who he said he is. Paul talks about joy in the most beautiful ways throughout his, his epistles. 
He talks about joy, the joy of the faith in, in Philippians when he's writing to the church whilst in prison, the joy of the faith. He's talking about, you know, it would almost be better for me to go and be with the Lord. I've suffered. I've been through so much. I've done so much. I could quite easily now just leave, but I'm going to stick around to serve you. And he says in Philippians, for the joy of faith, for the joy of the faith. It was the joy that kept him going. The writer of Hebrews talks about Jesus and says, it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. It was for the joy set before him he endured what he was going through. If you believe that what has happened through Christ's story, through, the, through his life, through his death and resurrection is true, if you actually believe that, my friends, if you believe that death has been defeated, it changes everything. It means you can wake up in the morning and recognize that what happened then changes what's happening now. That I don't live my life based upon a narrative that is given to me by my culture or the media or my friends and my family. I live by a narrative that is written through the words of heaven. That's how I'm living. I'm living for a joy that is coming. I'm living for a kingdom that is here and not quite yet. I'm living in response. My whole life is living in response to the resurrection of Jesus, the inauguration of the kingdom, the declaration that there's a new country, there's a new land, there's a new way of life, and it's here and it's now. And joy is the possession of that truth. Joy, is the re joy isn't a denial of affliction. Joy isn't a denial of test. It's not a denial of trial. Paul says, in, I think in, in, uh, I've got it written down in Corinthians uh, 2, 6. He says, I am full of sorrow, yet rejoicing. It's not a denial of our pain. Joy is sober. Joy is somber. Joy is real. Joy isn't fickle. Joy is here and now. Joy is saying, yes, this is happening in front of me. Yes, this is difficult. Yes, this is painful. But something happened which redefines now. And something happened which redefines where I'm going. Something happened then which redefines what's happening next. If we can get that, if we can receive that, it genuinely changes today. Joy in your life is a response to the degree to which you believe that what Jesus accomplished is real. So I'm outlaying the joy, right? Outlining it. And a response I have, a question I have is, all right, well, how do you get it, right? Like, how, how can I have this? How can I live with this in my life? Well, joy, joy is a fruit. Paul talks about this in Galatians. He says, joy is a spiritual fruit. Joy isn't an intellectual concept. It's not an idea. Joy isn't theory, it's fruit. I don't know if you can see some of these trees behind me, but yeah, it's a fruit. Like a fruit that grows on the trees, it's a fruit of a spiritual life. It's a fruit of the spirit, Paul says. And in Galatians 5, he's outlining, look, you can live one way. You can live in the flesh. You can live a life that's based upon what is happening here and now. You can live a life that is based upon your urges and your fleshly desires. You can do that. And, 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 and that will reap one kind of lifestyle. Or you can live in response to the spirit. You can live a spiritual life. And a spiritual life, Jesus says, is a narrow life. It's not easy. It's disciplined. Living in step with the spirit is living obedient to a very different word and a very different story to the one that our culture speaks. Living in the spirit requires a desire and a hunger to become a spiritual person. Not an intellectual person, not a studious person, a spiritual person a person who makes way in their life 
for spiritual depth. In a culture full of chaos, I don't know if you can hear the bird, but I've got some birds around me that are yes and amening for everything I'm saying, so I'm feeling encouraged. We've got Pentecostal birds behind me. Joy is, 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 is the fruit of a spiritual life. So to ask yourself, why don't I have joy in my life is the same as asking, why don't I have an apple tree in the garden? It won't be there if you didn't plant it. It won't be there if you didn't cultivate it. Care and I, obviously being a home in a moment, are realizing how much attention we need to give to the plants in our house. We have a tra- <music>